You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech fan number 99. I'm Tim Robertson, and over there is... David Cohen. Take two, right? <laughs> Take two, slight technical issue. And unfortunately, we knew how to fix it, so... There you go. You had to uh, jump down into an XML file because you're using a PowerPC machine... And you can't use a newer version of Skype, which corrects the problem that you had to fix. Exactly. You're a technical genius, David. Uh, no, I just knew the answer to that particular question. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would make you a genius in some corners. Well, yeah, maybe if I worked in an Apple store, but um, I don't know. So, I've never, never figured out relativity or anything else like that. So, I tried. It was a little beyond me, or I was just bored at the time. Uh, <laughs> I keep buying books on uh, either Kindle or in uh, iBooks on an Apple device on history and um, scientific theories and all with the, the right intentions. I'm going to read this and I'm going to get it and I'm going to understand. And yet somehow, ooh, look, new Star Wars book instead. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I keep yeah. meaning to, but I... Uh. One of my favorite pastimes is reading those sorts of uh, kind of, you know, the theories behind science books. Because, I, 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 you know, I studied science. Uh, I was a scientist for my uh, university degree. Uh, did chemistry. So I have a keen interest in kind of keeping up with what's going on. So, uh, But, you know, the problem is, is that the sorts of stuff they do now at, at places like the Large Hadron Collider... The math you need to be able to understand even the beginning of what they're doing is just so beyond me. Yeah, that's. I think that's some of it. Also, I think that a lot of the people who write these types of uh, long-form articles, you know, 30, 40 pages, uh, or even some of the books that are out there, aren't very good writers. Um, yeah. They need to be able to relay very complex information in a layman's terms so people like me could understand it and go oh okay i get it but they tend to not do that <laughs> or they'll I'll refer to something else and just assume you know what that reference is and of I course will, yeah. i don't i will send you some names of some books and some authors in in britain we have kind of a more of a tradition of doing this um i think it comes from the bbc because a lot of the, the books you read come from people who've, who've done BBC documentaries on science. And, they, you know, they tend to be... The BBC tends to like to have somebody who's not only can present, but also uh, knows something about the field they're presenting on. That's usually so they a good idea. Yeah. So, for instance, you know, there's, a, there's a, a guy here called uh, Professor Brian Cox. He actually used to be in a, in a rock band, um, but uh, he's also a particle physicist who works at CERN. And he um, is very, very, he's got a very clear, clever and clear style for it, um, you know, illustrating really complicated uh, scientific topics. And he's become very popular on the TV over here. And some of the stuff he writes is very, very accessible. I mean, he really has a gift for it. So I'll, I'll and there's a couple of other people as well. I'll send you some links to some British books that kind of go through the first principles of, of stuff like quantum mechanics and, you know, cosmology and, and things like that that are very, very interesting and yet are presented in a, a much more accessible style than something like, um, you know, uh, Stephen Hawking's, uh, you know, history, what's it called, A Brief History of Time or, or whatever it is, which even I couldn't get through. <laughs> I mean, it kind of lost me about 30 pages in. Yeah, so. it's about exactly where I stopped on that book yeah. as well. 
Um, I'm kind of surprised and a little disappointed. I really thought back in 2004 and five when I started recording podcasts for the first time that yes, there's going to be the early adopters like the technical savvy like me and you and people like that that's going to jump into podcasting really, really quickly because we can quickly overcome the technical difficulties of actually doing it. Yeah. And we could kind of adapt the technologies that we were using to record um, to create what we needed to create because there was no tool specific for this task. So we were taking tools that we already had for other reasons and, and applying them for podcasting in this instance. So I knew it would be the computer geeks that would get there first. But I thought followed closely by academia, i.e. scientists and people like that who would take this medium, freely distributed, uh, on demand, uh, small file size, and we would see a lot of that kind of content. And unfortunately, it never really happened. You know, not not to the extent that I was expecting. And that's kind of it, right now. iTunes seems to be in the podcast directory seems to be two things: the really geeky podcasts like Tech Fan and um, those type of shows, or comedians with their own podcasts. And they're that's about it. It when it always comes to the top, whatever. Now NPR is always up there, but you know those are the same. Those are the ones that are always at the top. And I'm really surprised that there's not more educational stuff for people like me who would love to learn other subjects in via audio, and it's just just really not there much. I think the problem with it is that I kind of on the recording side, it's fairly straightforward now. Um, you know, if you have a, whether you have a Mac or a PC, if you want to record yourself um, and record audio and then publish that audio, the recording part of it is fairly easy now. I mean, you know, with, with the rise of USB um, and USB sound devices, it's become pretty easy to plug it, do what I'm doing now. It's, you know, USB uh, dongle in the side, of the side of the computer, plug a headset into that, hit record on the computer and off you go. Um, the, I think the problem with podcasting is that the actual being able to publish the RSS feed and then distribute that RSS feed and then, you know, kind of get show notes and, and, and all of that sort of stuff together is still a non-trivial process. It's a lot easier than it used to be. And obviously iTunes gives you a, an easy way to distribute podcasts to a very wide audience. But in terms of that actual last kind of last mile of saying, right, I have my file how do I actually uh, get it into a, a format that iTunes will take? That's still, you know, a fairly technical process, and not many people can do it. And I think yeah. that does put a, that does put a lot of people off. And of course, what's happened, and you can see it in iTunes now, is that you have, um, you know, shows like this that are uh, have, have been going for a long time, or are, you know, the kind of all the shows we have on the network here um, that are kind of under an umbrella. And, and you're there in the background to assist anybody who needs to with kind of doing that, you know, the XML, RSS types, type side of it. Uh, and then you have an awful lot of shows that are, for one reason or another, professionally produced, like NPR, like the BBC, 
um, and then you know kind of a lot of others which are are going through uh, an, another type of network. There's Mule Radio, and there's and there's a few others. Um, but the problem is to engage to to get to to be sat in your own, decide to have a podcast idea, and then to engage with the network. It takes more. Um, get up and go than it does to just decide to start recording and publishing it and and so you do have this dichotomy now that that you know you have the big media organizations doing it and let's face it they're doing it for promotional purposes um because they can't you know they haven't nobody's really figured out how to how to really make money off of podcasting yet uh and then there's people who've been doing it for a while and then there's a little bit of a middle ground uh, and it has kind of become polarized like that and it's kind of a shame because the uh that kind of um you know that pioneer spirit that was there at the beginning has really been lost that podcasting now yeah that's unfortunate too because you know we have the stoplight network i don't have time to even attempt to take it to another level and no one else has stepped up and wanting to do that either um which i was hoping would happen but say la vie um but i would love it if something like the stoplight network was out there to help get academia and look, there's the iTunes U, and that's pretty cool. But that's that's different. That's not really that's recording classes and putting them online. Quite a different thing yeah. than actually having a discussion with some very educated and learned people from different science backgrounds or even different you know schools of thought coming together to not necessarily debate, but to, to discuss and inform. And I would love that. And if there was a thing like the Stoplight Network that would facilitate that, that would act as a go-between, that would say, okay, here's what you guys have to do. Simply record this using this app with these mics and put it in this Dropbox folder and we'll take it from there. And to stay on top of it, you know. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think it would take somebody or an organization with a lot of time but more importantly, a way to monetize that, because let's be honest, I would love to be able to do that with Stoplight Network, but I have a mortgage to pay. Yeah. You know, I have children to feed. And so I go to work every day. Well, not every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. But nothing really exists like that, That at least not that I'm aware of. And I think there's a huge opportunity for something to step up and do that. Yeah, I, I, I think unfortunately as well though, talk radio, uh, and let's face it, podcasting is kind of like talk radio, uh, it's like talk radio for everyone else, um, you know, talk radio is not actually that popular, radio has always revolved around music, and um, you know, the record industry did a pretty good job of stifling podcasting as a way of distributing music, so, um, you know, and, and, and they didn't do that because... You know, they talked about digital piracy and all that sort of thing. You know what they were really worried about? They were worrying about losing their channel, which was radio. Um, and, you know, they they stomped on it pretty hard. They were also uh, worried now, about artists not needing a recording industry. That they could simply, with the affordability of computers and recording equipment, and, you know, the musicians already have their equipment. They don't wait yeah. to buy their first guitar until they get a record deal. Yeah. Um, that you, they could well, simply record music and release it themselves. Now they could do that. Let's but. face it. Yeah, you. Could, I mean, you could see a situation if they hadn't done that, where you know, let's take um, some of the thing, some of the, the the daily shows that are more popular on on in the in iTunes. You know, because I think uh, Adam Carolla is a good example. Yeah, yep. he's got a 
huge daily podcast, which he uses as his platform to do his thing. Yep. Yeah. Now, you could imagine that instead of somebody coming from the comedy world to... Uh, well, he came to, from the radio. To, comedy yeah, and but radio. It, but it was... But it was it was comedy radio though wasn't it it wasn't you know you could imagine go back 20 years right suppose podcasting had been invented 20 years ago if somebody who was huge and very well known like Casey Kasem had decided to leave radio and do a podcast but still be able to play music yeah then he would have killed radio yeah and and the problem is no big DJ with it you need to, to really to bring people into this sort of medium who who aren't interested in it? You need a name. You need that's why that's why comedians are so popular on podcasting because their name brings people in. Yep. Yeah, you'd need somebody from the DJ music world who had a big enough name to be able to say, "I'm turning radio behind. Uh, I'm turning my back on it, and I'm going to go and do a, a radio show that's music and me on podcasts only." That could be huge, except for the fact that they could, wouldn't ever be able to do the music because the music industry would would stomp them. Yeah, uh, and that is really what stifled, I think, podcasting turning into it really what it could have been, which is you know a potential. I mean, because let's face it, a lot. But the problem with with listening to talk is that it needs a little bit more effort and attention than listening to radio music in the background. Sure, and absolutely, lot, no lot, question. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people aren't prepared to put that effort in. Yeah, for one reason or another. Uh, you, whereas people will be prepared. You know, if somebody had a big radio show that played music and it was available as a podcast and it played commercial music and they could download that every day and listen to all the latest tunes and you know up and coming and all that sort of thing i could imagine that'd be huge but the record industry has not allowed that to happen it's it's unfortunate but you know we're going to soldier on and continue to do our show because you know at the end of the day that's what we'd love to do um yeah we enjoy it i, I really enjoy it Speaking of uh, the show, David, we got some feedback after our last episode. Oh, uh, we did. did. I sent that your way because I don't have my computer up in front of Well, I have a computer up in front of me, but not the one where all my email is. Um, because my I think the hard drive is going out and, and it's the fans are constantly running. And I was getting complaints, so I don't use that computer to record the show on anymore. <laughs> I use the Pac-Mac. Well, who, who's complaining about it? Oh, I had a couple of listeners send an email saying yeah. I can hear the fans running on your computer and it was getting louder as the show went on and it absolutely was. Um, so I stopped uh, I stopped using the iMac to record with. Uh, see. Now, the kind of interesting thing about that is that I was actually recording the show with you and I couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah? And you'd have, thought, you'd have thought that if anybody would have heard it first, it would have been me. Well, the microphone is literally six inches away from where the fans are in the iMac. So... I'm I'm not yeah. surprised that it was picking it up as well. Um, but having said that, actually, actually, to be fair, thinking about the process that you put a file through to get it into uh, into podcasting, it could be that the actual you know the processing actually amplifies the. Uh, oh no, the, question. Uh, GarageBand uh, yeah. because that's what we're recording in is processor intensive. No question, uh, but I also believe that the hard drive is. It's probably got another couple months left before I I have to seriously consider replacing it. I should do it now. It's just eh, I gotta unplug it all, take it all the way to Chicago, and this is kind of a. I'll do it, but yeah, we talked. I mean, one of the things I do, I do kind of wish that Apple would make the hard drives in iMacs more accessible. You know, I know it would compromise their 
you know, their designs and, and the approach they take and everything. But, you know, it just would be kind of cool if it, even if it wasn't the main drive, you know, even if it was a secondary drive mm-hmm. that you could, um, you could do. I was just, I was reading something very interesting recently that, um, apparently, you know, those new fusion drives that, uh, that Apple launched. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's basically, it's, it's, it's two drives. It's a hard drive and a, and an SSD and it, the operating system kind of combines them into one logical unit that allows you to um, you know, kind of get all your all your most accessible stuff is is in the SSD, so it really improves the performance without necessarily giving you the kind of the space limitations you get from a um, from a uh, conventional a, hard know, drive, a conventional a conventional SSD. So apparently, um, you can if you go into some, into the terminal version of Disk Utility, if you have two devices in your computer, you can create a Fusion drive with any of them. That's kind of interesting. Uh, I know Russ Walkowich, editor at MyMac, uh, although he doesn't really edit there anymore. Uh, but Russ is, other than me, the longest-running person at MyMac. Um, and, I mean, he came in in 1995, so, I mean, he's been there forever. Yeah. And he still writes reviews. Um, he got a new MacBook, and he got the SSD version. Yeah. And he says it's just, it, it blows his mind, it's so fast. And he is seriously considering pulling the conventional hard drive out of his Mac Mini and replacing that one with an SSD and never going back to conventional hard drives. He said the, the performance is that great. And yeah. uh, it is. It's just when you get used to an SSD speeds, it's painful to go to a computer with a conventional hard drive. It's just like, ugh, why is yeah. it so slow? Um but there's still a discrepancy in price and size compared to conventional hard drives. And that discrepancy is going to be there for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's getting better. Definitely. It is. Yeah. And as, as things always do. And, you know, I'd imagine 15 years time when we're using crystal holography drives, we'll be going SSDs. Oh, that's so old school. That's so slow. <laughs> Solid state. Wow. They didn't even use light back then. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> It's funny so, though. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, you know, you know, you got it. Well, I was going to say, did you pull up the uh, feedback that I sent? Yeah, I have the feedback. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go into okay. that right now, real quick. All right. So um, the first comment came from our very good friend Peter Bird. Hey, Peter. One of our, one of our more regular contributors. Um, uh, just look at his his um, his IP here. It looks like he might be in the UK. He is in the UK. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, he said, hello, Tim and David. I have an iPad mini, iPad third generation. I have found since having both, I use each one for different things. So for me, having both works, but I do think most people don't need both. I'll talk to you about that in a minute. I was listening to what you said about the comment made about the show the three geekies ladies did. I didn't understand this person's comment. It was very clear what was going on, and it wasn't a bad show either, so I don't see the problem. I finally got to use a Surface... It was interesting. My personal advice to Microsoft is try harder to make it useful without the keyboard because not everyone will want the keyboard. And I've heard this as well, that it's very, it's very kind of keyboard-centric and also um, touchpad-centric too, which is a little bit bizarre for a touch device that you have to keep using the thing in front of it. I actually uh, I was at a trade show in London the last couple of days and I saw a Surface because one of the guys at the stands there had was they were, they had one up as a prize, you know, one of these things where you drop your business card right. and they do. It. So I thought, oh great, because you know I've I've still not found anywhere in the UK where you can try one. 
So I thought, great, I'll finally get to try it and I can talk about the show. So I go up and said, you know, would you mind if I had a look at it? Yeah, fine, you know. Um, so I had a good look at the hardware and they had a touch cover on it and I kind of had, you know, felt that. And it's kind of weird because it doesn't give at all. It literally is a touch cover. So I said, well, would you mind if I turned it on and actually tried it? And he went, um, uh, yeah, you can't. <laughs> I thought, does this guy work for Microsoft? <laughs> does he know that tech fan are on the case here and he doesn't want a bad review so I said why not and he, he sheepishly held up the uh, AC adapter because it doesn't charge off a USB cable it uses its own AC adapter and he says well we just bought this from the states and um, we forgot to buy a plug so we can plug it into the UK uh, socket <laughs> yeah. and he says it's flat <laughs> yeah well what are you going to do so, uh, yeah, but you know that's the downside of this of that particular device not having USB charging. Yeah. So I, I have physically seen one, but I haven't actually been able to uh, to turn it on and try it. Explain the 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 cover again. So it basically, it's like um, it's like a smart cover, except it doesn't fold. It's a smart cover for the oh, iPad. Oh, okay, I gotcha. I yeah? see what you're saying. So it, it's it's about the same thickness. Uh, but on the inside of it, it has uh, it kind of looks like it's been pressed into the cover a keyboard. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, you basically each key is a t- small square, uh, and you just the idea is you and the guy ex- who had had used the device explained how it worked to me. It just clips on vibe magnets. There's a little magnetic port underneath there uh, on the edge of the surface, and then you literally just touch, uh, and uh, effectively the technology that's in the. Um, is that's in in the in the screen is the same as what oh, okay. they have on the keyboard of the of the touch cover. So it's kind of like he says it's kind of like touching on uh, typing on the iPad screen, but he says it hasn't because it's rubber. It has a little bit more feel than typing on the screen does. Um, and he said it, he said it worked really well. He was quite enthusiastic about it, and he said, "Oh yeah, and it's got full office on there, and it's great, and all this sort of thing." You know, um, so he was kind of into it, but I, I didn't get a chance to to play with it myself. Yeah, I haven't played with one yet either. Um, there's a Microsoft store close to our uh, Villa Park store in, in the Chicagoland area, and I yeah. keep meaning to go over there, but I just haven't done it yet. <laughs> you know, when you say that. So there you are, the Apple reseller, and there's a Microsoft store close to you. It just brought to mind that um, that that section from that Monty Python film. You know, when the when the um, have you seen uh, the Meaning of Life? Mm, it's been years and years. Yeah, you, you remember the beginning? They had the big corporate towers, and they yeah. kind of fling each other like ships. <laughs> yeah. Kind of sailing past each other, and they're throwing things at each other and trying to board each other. Is that what you and the Microsoft store are like? No, not at all. They're really good guys in there, to be honest. I mean, every single time I've ever gone in there, I've had great discussions with them. Um, It's never the, oh, we're from an Apple reseller, and our products are better, and your products are correct. It's none of that stuff. Microsoft makes a lot of stuff that I like, you know? I'm a huge fan of the Xbox. Yeah, me too. Um, they've made some really good keyboards and mice over the years. I just don't particularly like their operating system. I think it's always been kludgy and not intuitive to use at all. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, and, and I'm curious. Find, I'm curious as well, but I'm finding the messaging coming from Microsoft about the success or not of, Win, of Windows RT is, is... If I were an RT owner, I'd be worried. You know, particularly with Sonofsky leaving... Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it all doesn't really look like it's all going swimmingly well over there at the moment. Well, you know? they've had a kind of a brain drain 
of top executives that kind of headed their most important products. Um, for like Allard, for instance, who started the Xbox yeah. and, and really got it to the height that it was at. He left in 2010. and But they've, they've lost quite a few key people over the last, you know, I'm going to say two to four years. Yeah, and but I, I, I'm, I understand all of that. But, you know, and, and who the hell knows? Sinovsky certainly apparently was... This is a guy who, who brought Office 2010 to us and uh, brought also brought Windows 8, was heading up the Windows team. I don't think, whatever the reasons for it and whatever the politics of it, um, it doesn't look good when you launch your flagship product and two weeks after you launch it, the guy who was singularly responsible for guiding that product into existence turns around and says, right, thanks very much, I'm off. Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I I, when are they going to realize that that the biggest problem right now at Microsoft is their CEO, Paul yeah. Ballmer's got to go. I mean, he's he he's well, certainly if he's not going to go, they need to get him away from the press. <laughs> that would probably <laughs> every be time, every time he gets interviewed, he says something really silly. Yeah. Anyway, he I seems like a nice guy. Back. Don't get me wrong; he seems like a really yeah. nice guy. And, and and also as well, you know, it's very easy to sit here, you know, oh, absolutely. Play armchair quarterback and say, "Oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing." You don't get to be the head of Microsoft without knowing what the hell. Oh you're no, doing. no, 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 no! Don't get me wrong; I, I don't think he's dumb by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. I just don't think he's a visionary in the in the technology world. And I think no. that this time, more than anything, Microsoft needs a visionary in another Bill Gates type of person that could step into that role and lead that company, say, you know what, this is where everything's at right now. We think this is where uh, technologies are going to go. Uh, The interfaces are going to go, and this is where we're going to position our company, and we're going to go all in. I think that's what needs to happen. But Well, here's here's Scott Forrestal's looking for a job, so... Yeah, well, (laughs) you know, don't discount that. Don't discount that a bit, because, yes, I heard the rumors... Excuse me. I heard the rumors that, you know, he wasn't well-liked and blah, 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 blah. You can't argue with the success of iOS. And that's no. what he was in charge of. Now, did is everything swimmingly great with iOS? No, of course not. There's it, there's a, a huge amount of room for for improvement. Just, it's, it's huge. I could spend an entire month of tech fans going through the things that... I yeah. would like to see changed or fixed or brought into yeah. iOS. And as I said last week, you know, having having looked at Android now, I mean, <laughs> there is some stuff they do better. Well, they like I said on TechFan a couple of weeks ago, uh, I saw a uh, the white paper on how switching users is going to work under Android, and I went, hmm, because I've been saying for a long time, iOS, at, at the very least on an iPad, needs multi-user. Yeah. It, oh my god! It just needs it so bad. Can't I just set up a, an account on my iPad for my kids to use, my five-year-old, so I can hand him the iPad, and I don't have to worry that he's accidentally going to change some, you know, settings or delete an app or get on the internet and go to a bad site or, uh, you know, wh- why can't I do that? Well, more, more than that, the thing is, is that people who, you know, more people who share an iPad, you know, they want to have different mail accounts. Yeah, and there they don't you go. Want to see each, they don't want to see each other's mail. Or calendar, or bookmarks. Yeah, or, or Facebook status. Yes. Or, you know, or Twitter stream. Or I can't all tell you things. how many times my oldest daughter uh, would be here. She would use my iPad for an hour, 
And then she would leave to go back to her mom's house. And uh, a couple hours later, after charging up the iPad again, I would jump on Safari and I'm on her Facebook account. Yeah. And uh, th- it's just not good. It really is. And isn't. He's, he's, here's the thing. I, and let me rebate, relate that to you something that, that Peter said here in, the, in his comment. He said he has both a mini and a third gen iPad. And he found since having both, he uses each one for different things. So for, for him, having both works. And now you okay. said, I'm going to talk about that later. So yeah, before right. we so, get to so some more I, of that feedback, let's go into that later. Okay. No, I mean, yeah. now is the later part. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that wasn't confusing at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. So I ordered an iPad mini this week. Uh, I've had a good look at them over, over the last week or so. And uh, I really love the form factor. I love the the weight of the thing, uh, and or yeah, lack thereof, you know, or lack thereof exactly. And for me, you know, I have to carry because when I'm, I carry my iPad with me while I'm working, and I, it's always with me, and so is a laptop normally. And so having two devices, you know, yes, an iPad three is not particularly heavy compared to a laptop, but it's heavy enough, you know. So for me, having something that's half the weight, a little bit smaller, that's going to work brilliantly for me. Me think so you need to I, work you know, out more. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, but it's, it's not just that it's also is that you know the 10 inch is just sometimes a little bit of an awkward size whereas you know something the size of a kindle which you know the ipad mini is just a little bit larger than the kindle um is is you know very very usable so even though it has the the slightly degraded screen over the retina ipad i decided to push the button on one uh, and i've got one on the way it's 64 gig mini uh, i'm looking forward to it so Last night I got home from this trip I was on and I announced to my wife that I'd done this and it's coming from the States, coming by my, uh, my dad's going to pick it up and bring it back for me. Um, and he's back in a couple of weeks. So I told her I'd done this and, and you know, expecting the, uh, you know, the, the um, spousal tongue lashing of why did you spend all that money on something you've already got? Um, and she didn't. She said, oh, good. <laughs> really? Went, oh. Yeah, she said, oh, good. And I, yeah, about immediately i was on my guard (laughs) where's the catch here so she said um yeah that's good so um your old one you're not going to sell it no and i went uh well yeah i was going to sell it she said no she says uh, charlotte can have it oh charlotte charlotte is my daughter sure charlotte is three and a half yeah well it's never too early to (laughs) become a you know my eyebrows raised slightly at this and i said so let's just go into that. You want to give our three-and-a-half-year-old her own iPad. My son, my 10-year-old, has his own as well. She went, yeah. And I said, and why does Charlotte need a 64-gig iPad 3 with red in the display? And basically what it came down to is uh, they have uh, – Leanne has a couple of games on hers that are kind of like educational games, teaches count, teaches spell, you know, all this sort of thing. And they do quizzes and all that. And Charlotte loves these games. And – when Charlotte's playing them, Leanne can't use her iPad. Uh, <laughs> you see? Uh-huh. So, uh, so anyway, we came to, I said, said, I'm not giving Charlotte an iPad 3, but she can have your one and you can have my iPad 3. Yeah, that's um, fair. So, so there you go. So there are, but of course, that's the Apple solution to the multiple account problem is get everyone their own iPad. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, let's be honest, though, that's not a solution. Um, no. They got to do I something mean, mini, about it. Yeah, the mini does make it easier in that the you know the entry point is lower now. Oh, I think I just realized something. I did. Yeah, I've been charging my Kindle Touch and not and my it Kindle was, Fire. But nevertheless, yeah, if you've got 
got. I thought you were about to say, oh, oh, and I lost David. You there, David? Can you hear me? He can't. So I lost David. Skype just kind of uh, conked out. So we'll uh, take this opportunity to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. So guess. Sorry, I'm just boogieing out to that. You know, well, that's playing. You know, I'm shaking it is my so head. Catchy. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. Mm. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm shaking my ass. <laughs> ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys, joke. Guys, guys, joke. Mostly clean. I do have a tip for you. It's a very, very quick one. That's why we've been going on about nothing. Oh, no change there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting Can I do you this again. tip? I'll be, yes, I'll be quiet now. Daz's tips. Guys jokes. Only. Thank goodness. On the My Mac podcast. Back on Tech Fan, episode number 99. We'd love to hear uh, feedback from you guys. And we're still going through the feedback here. And uh, the web address is techfanpodcast.com. Click the Contact Us button, fill out the form, or you can just send us an email. It's uh, tim at mymac.com, M-Y-M-A-C.com. For those who haven't been listening for a long time, why do I have a MyMac address and not a TechFan address? Um, I'm just lazy. I could set up the TechFan to to get mail, but David, I'm not going to do that. I have way too many email addresses as it is. I just do. Yeah. And I don't see the point. So... Since I own my Mac, I'll just continue to use that one. <laughs> yeah, make it, make it easy. It is. So we had some more, on that topic, we had some more feedback from Eric. Um, so Eric was, Eric's talk to us about, um, about the commenter on our, on the geeky, sh- the, the uh, Three Geeky Ladies show. Yep. Um, so Eric's saying, um, from one point of view, if the person who made the comment actually listed, listened to the warnings, they are way off base. Yearly Switch has the benefit of exposing people to new hosts from other podcasts and to get a different view of the podcast you normally listen to. I think the other listener expected a podcast that was not so Apple-focused. Further, their comments sounded very sexist. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> oh, ladies can't do podcasting. That's a, that's a man's job. Yeah. So he, he then goes on, Eric goes on, I did not like the first couple of episodes of three, the Three Geeky Ladies podcast because it was so rough in the beginning. After they took over the Tech Fan podcast, I decided to subscribe. They have a nice vibe now, and I'm grateful that I was able to hear them. With the second year of the Switch, I'm thankful that the Stoplight Network has the courage to do this. I thought that many of the hosts did a great job giving their takes on other podcasts. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, Eric. Definitely check, yeah. take a listen to... If, if you checked out the Three Geeky Ladies at the beginning and didn't like it much, give them another try. Um, Look, everybody's terrible at podcasting your first few episodes. I mean, I, there's a reason I can't seem to find the very first MyMac <laughs> episode that I did. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. I would post it if I could, but I don't have a copy of my very first podcast, which is kind of yeah, a little bit depressing. Um, but in another sense, it's probably a good thing because uh, it's pretty bad. Um, that's the thing about podcasting. When you first start doing it, it's really rough at the beginning. Um, and I tell people, they have an idea of what the show is going to be about. I said, until you actually start recording it, you really don't know what the show is going to be about. Um, yeah. Unless you've been podcasting a long time. 
look, if you listen to the very first episode of Tech Fan, it's not very dissimilar to what we're doing right now. But yeah, but we kind of cheated in that we did my Mac for years. I did OWC Radio for over a year after that. Um, we weren't. Yeah. We just started a new show, but we are ostensibly doing the same thing we've done for a long, long time. Yeah, it was, you know, it's like when Conan came to the night show. Right. He kind of, he kind of knew what he was yeah. about. Yeah, but the first time you do it for the first time, that's different. And uh, was it rough at first? Yeah, every show was rough at first. But I still think that their first few episodes were much better than my first few episodes, no question. They yeah. By their second episode, they were already at where I was in my first year. Yeah. I mean, it, it was night and day. Now, of yeah. course, they had the benefit of experience as far as listening to other podcasts and we didn't have that at the very beginning but nonetheless i I like their show and it bothers me when when like the person who left the feedback didn't even give it a chance and and their their remarks were obvious very sexist and and that you know i I can't change anybody's mind on on stuff like that that's who they are that's whatever but yeah, we we talked extensively about you know kind of that uh, that huge overreaction and and kind of how how people do seem to uh, you know really go go all out. I mean, I, I can't. It reminded me this week when I heard about all these you know these hundred thousand people who who'd signed that petition trying to get their states to secede from the United States because Obama got reelected. Yeah, and I thought I thought wow. There's a list of 100,000 racists ready-made. Yeah, and every one of them will say it's not because he's black either. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Sure it's not. Sure, sure yeah. It's you not. know, sometimes, you, sometimes you've got to, you do have to stop and think about, is what I'm doing, you know, exposing my internal prejudices? Yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and it did come across, you know, we could be wrong, but it did come across like that in the, uh, in the comment from, from, the, uh, from the listener on, on that review. I'm, I'm not going to accuse the guy of being sexist because I don't, I don't know. I can't really gauge no, his... But it, in, but in a couple it sounded sentences. sexist. It absolutely did. And I think <laughs> the... You know what really, I think, did it when he said yapping? Yeah. Yapping. Just that yeah. terminology kind of was a big red flag for me. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, really? Um, yeah. But it's unfortunate that some people, you're just never going to win them over. Um, but look, here's, here's, a, here's a, a good response to it. I mean, this this came to us from, from Miguel. 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 Miguel, I think, is the connect pronunciation. If you say the same thing four times, I'm just going to assume that you got it right. Okay, fair enough then. Okay, <laughs> this is this is from Michael in Spain. <laughs> only only kidding, Miguel. Uh, but Miguel said to us, he said, um, "Subject overreaction." He said the commenter on iTunes super overreacted. I personally started playing the Three Geeky Ladies show for about five minutes, realized you were trying to expose other podcasts on the network, but decided to turn off the podcast. That said, although Three Geeky Ladies isn't for me. I really enjoyed when you two did Geekiest Show ever and will probably subscribe. So there you go. So it wasn't for him. It didn't light his candle. Absolutely fine. So we turned it off. Yeah. And and for that, I I have no problem with. Of course not. I give give a lot of different podcasts a try. Um, I don't like the new podcasting app that Apple released for the iPhone. I I think it's terrible, to be honest. Yeah, I don't use it. But I I, I use Dancast because... uh, I've used uh, Skitch, Stetch, Skitcher, Skitcher, Stetcher. What is that now? Stitcher. Stitcher. Thank you. Wow. I just complete brain meltdown for a second there. Uh, I've used that in the past as well. Um, 
I liked to go in and just kind of randomly push some buttons to bring up a show that I've never heard before and give it a listen without subscribing. And if I like it, I'll subscribe to it. But I'll at least give it a try, and I usually will try it for a good five to ten minutes before I think yay or nay. Um, I don't mind if the audio is a little rough because, eh, okay, I can live with that. But to me, it's the content context of the show and the content and if i enjoy what they're talking about and they're pleasant to listen to and they're not abrasive and although abrasive works as well at times um great i look what i just discovered this is fabulous um but i don't expect i'm going to like everything nor do i expect everybody is going to like everything that i like i like the three geeky ladies but that doesn't mean everybody else is going to and that's yeah. fine. That's the cool thing about podcasting. There's something for everybody. Um, not everybody's going to like listening to Guy and Gaz laughing their butts off on the latest episode of MyMac. It's not for everybody. Uh, consequently, you may like David and I here on TechFan, but if you listen to that geekiest show ever where it was just all Star Wars and Cloud Atlas, it may have bored you to tears. Yeah, And that's cool. That's fine. That's what it's about. And that's what the whole switching thing once a year is all about. Exposing uh, audiences to different people and different shows. And maybe you'll dig it. Maybe it's something that you'll you'll get into. Or if not, not. That's fine, too. But we don't do it once a month or anything. No. Well, I mean, you know, that's that's the thing. It's, it's a once a year thing. Um, it's It's an experiment. And podcasting is is about experimentation. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what the heck? You know, if you don't like it, turn it off. There you go. There are plenty of times, even to stuff I listen to I regularly. Your, I hear your iPhone creeping up in the background every now and then. That I know it's yours because. Oh, I, I just uh, I got a new iPhone, David. Did you yeah. iPhone five? No. For us, <laughs> yeah, I had to uh, do a warranty exchange for it because uh, it would just turn itself up automatically, all by itself. Turn um, itself up, up. Oh, the volume would just start going Ooh. through the roof. I know how it started. Uh, I was I was talking to somebody on the phone, and I was actually coming out of an IKEA. Um, and I, I, I was. T- <laughs> I was walking towards my car, and I had my keys in my right hand, and I was holding the receipt and stuff in my left hand, as well as my phone up to my face. So I went to put, when I got to the car, I was going to lay the papers on top of the car so I can unlock my door, or something like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, as I was setting the, the papers down, my iPhone flew out of my hand like I threw it. Which kind of technically I did, just not on purpose. Yeah. It went a good 20, 30 feet, turned upside down so it's face down, landed on the pavement, and slid underneath a pickup truck. Did did this happen a while back? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, all right, so I'm not, you, you didn't do the same thing twice. This no, is no, the, no, this is the same thing. A few months ago. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And that was pretty much when my problems with my iPhone started. Now, immediately I picked it up thinking it's trash, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah. I finished my conversation, but then all the uh, the antennas went haywire and I had to reboot the phone. But it seemed yeah. to be fine. But I think that's when my, my headphone, or I'm sorry, my volume control started going wonky. 
Right. So at Mac Specialist, where I work, we do uh, iPhone repair and replacement. So we ran my serial number, and I was 25 days to go before my warranty expired. Mm-hmm. And so I said, ooh, okay. So I went to Apple <laughs> and uh, yeah. did it there. And uh, they gave me a brand new white iPhone 4GS. And they they didn't mind that it was caused by being thrown under a pickup truck? Well, I'm only assuming that that's what caused it. Because physically, you, it looked fine. No, no to, yeah, to be fair, I mean, and, and it kept working afterwards and the problem developed later. Yeah, well, so. he said, the guy I talked to said, actually, he sees this problem with quite a few iPhones. Right. That the volume just turns itself up. And uh, so I, you know, it could have been dropping the phone. It could not have been dropping. I don't know. But I do have a brand new one. But beyond that, what I wanted to talk about was I actually bought a pair of the new earbuds from Apple. Ah, now, in fact, I, now I was looking at the iPad mini with my brother the other day. Uh, and he asked me about those, asked me if I'd tried them. Mm-hmm. I said no, because I don't have a device that comes with them, and I'm not going to try them in the store when somebody else might have had them in their ears. Yeah, no, that's going to grow. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm interested to know what, how you think, what you think. Well, look, the headphones that came with the iPods and the iPhone, um, and I don't, did he, do headphones come with the iPad? I don't even remember now. They don't. No. They don't. No, no, I didn't think so. Um, they were okay at best. If I needed to have a conversation, I didn't want to hold the iPhone up to my head, they were fine for that. Yeah. Uh, for listening to music, they would never be my first choice. Uh, they just... Number one, they didn't fit my ears very well. They always seemed to fall out or come loose. or And I noticed if I pushed them in a little bit, the bass would increase. And they just... They weren't good for the highs, mids, or lows. They were just no. Eh, the only the only thing I would say say about them is that say whatever you want about Apple uh, and lock in and pricing and all that sort of thing. You know what? Those earbuds were million times better than any other pair of packing earbuds I've ever received with any other phone I bought. But that's not saying much. <laughs> no, it's not saying much. But having said that, you know, I mean, literally, at least the Apple ones did not look like they cost fifty nine cents, which right. is the ones you get. The ones where you get a black with a BlackBerry, you know, you wouldn't pay for. Right? They are. They are. Gotcha. You know, they they're, they're just terrible. Junk. Yeah. So, um, I was very interested in what are they called? The earbuds? No, the what are they called now? Earpods. Earpods. Thank you. So I spent twenty nine bucks and I I bought a pair, and uh, you know I saw the the keynote speech and the video and you know why these are so much better and I always take that kind of thing with a huge grain of salt like yeah okay. Um, I have to say, David, they sound really good. Yeah, <laughs> I am really really impressed with these headphones. Uh, number one, they stay put, and that's kind of a big deal for me. They actually stay where I put them, and and I'll preference all this by saying I don't like, for the most part, in-ear headphones, as John Nemo can attest. Um, mm-hmm. I always do, if there's a headphone review at my Mac, I do headphone reviews over the ear. I never do the in-ear headphones, because I just don't really like them. Yeah. That being said, they're comfortable. Um they stay where they they're supposed to, and the sound quality is three times at least better than the old Apple headphones. 
or ear pods or whatever you want to call them. Interesting. Three times better. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Um, I have a playlist that I call uh, Speaker Review. Mm-hmm. And I know what these songs are supposed to sound like. They're all very high quality uh, bit rate. And I know what music these songs are supposed to sound like with the best of the best equipment. Okay? Yeah. I wasn't disappointed listening to any of the songs on that playlist with these headphones on. They were pretty much spot on. Now, they didn't have the acoustic clarity as my $650 pair of headphones do, nor did I expect them to. But I got to be honest, man. They sounded really, really good. Uh, I I, I was more impressed than I was expecting to be. And, And for $30 U.S.? If you don't already own a pair that came with an iPhone five, absolutely worth every penny. Well, yeah, I mean it's interesting, really, isn't it? Because let's face it, Apple didn't need to change them. Mm-mm. They could have stuck with the original ones, and people would have still griped about them. But you know, they were still better than what other people pack in, and you know, they didn't have to spend any R and D money on this, and yet they did. You know, and they're not—they're not, they're not going to make a lot of money by selling them at thirty dollars a pop. Nope. But you know, clearly they. They've decided that that you know it's 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 worthwhile and um, you know good on them for that. I will have a pair shortly because um, literally before we sat down to record today, I uh, tackled our IT guy and said, "Look, where's my new iPhone five? I've been waiting for since it was launched." Mm-hmm. We've had some contractual issues because I'm I'm well overdue for an upgrade for my. I've got an iPhone four, not oh, four. Yeah. So you're yeah definitely. So like- so I and, and I'm well into uh, being due for an upgrade. So I, I we've been waiting to get some contractual issues with our suppliers sorted out orange uh, uh no we're with vodafone okay yeah so uh i i i buttonholed him and i'd heard on the grapevine that apparently I, as soon as we signed did you just say you bungholed him no buttonholed him oh, but- <laughs> <Is it bungled? laughs> i was like wow is that no, a I euphemism <laughs> <laughs> and after i did that we started talking <laughs> he was much more attentive <laughs> That's one way to get his attention. That's, that's one way. <laughs> uh, Moving swiftly on. So, yeah, I got his attention by a conventional means, and I, uh, I said, well, what's going on? And, and, yeah, so he said we finally got the uh, the funding released to buy new new uh, phones, and he was putting an order in for all the people who'd been waiting. So, hope for, uh, of course, he then said, but that doesn't guarantee that Vodafone's got any stock. So. <laughs> yeah, well... So hopefully, hopefully before Christmas anyway, I will be uh, the proud owner of an iPhone 5. Well, I look forward to uh, a, a review of the iPhone yeah. 5 from you when you get one. Of course, I don't care if everyone else in the world's already got one and, re- and reviewed it. I'm, I'm more curious about your opinion. And yeah. I'm also even more uh, curious on what you think of the new headphones. See if you like them as much as I do. Because I, I really do. I, and I really wasn't expecting to like them as much. I went into it with very low expectations. Actually, uh, I bought them because I needed a pair of headphones right then. And they were the cheapest ones that I had in the store. So I just said, ah, I'll just take these. Yeah. And what I was going to do and what I did do was listening to some uh, keynote presentations and, and pr- other presentations from an ASMC event. Uh, it's an Apple specialist user group. Um Different specialists throughout the United States uh, get together twice a year for a convention. 
we learn about new products, best practices, blah, 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 blah. We bring in, uh, you know, Guy Kawasaki spoke there before. Uh, Waz has spoke there before. So it's kind of like a mini Macworld Expo, but it's very, very focused. Um, okay. And I like it. Actually, I like it better than a Macworld Expo. Um, and I didn't get to go to the one in Austin just a couple months ago. Um, so I wanted to watch some of these presentations and, and see what, and I actually, I only let, watched one so far, but I couldn't hear it well enough through the, uh, because, you know, some of the people in the audience are talking, you can't really hear it with the tiny little speakers in your laptop. So I thought yeah. I really need a pair of headphones so I can hear what the questions are that they're responding to. So I went on the showroom floor and I saw the, the ear pods and I said, I'll just I'll buy these and put them in. And of course, immediately I thought, well, they fit really well which kind of surprised me. And then I sat there and I listened to the whole thing, not thinking too much about the audio quality because listening to that, you can't really get a, a grasp of the audio quality. Yeah. So then when I went out to have a cigarette, I grabbed my iPhone, thought, oh, I'm going to listen to some music, see how these really sound, and was pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. Um, so much so that when someone came up to talk to me when I was outside having a cigarette, I was quite perturbed that I had to pause my music and pop my headphones out to talk to this person. Yeah. Um, and he had a really bad breath, too, and that never helps. Uh. <laughs> and, and the one thing about them that I do like compares to the old compares to the old ones is that the uh, old ones have kind of that rubber ring around the edge of them to yeah. try and help anyway, use those for a while and the rubber would just degrade. Cracks. and then yep. Yeah, and then you've got to basically throw them out. I've probably so. got, and I, I'm not even exaggerating... 20 pair of the original Apple earpods or earphones in my house in one state of uh, I've got a couple that's brand new haven't even been you know taken out of that little clear thing uh, but my kids use them my uh, my wife uses them when she needs them I mean I've got headphones um, all over the place but at yeah. work I didn't but these these stay in my bag in my work bag because <laughs> otherwise the kids will start using them and um, I'll never get them back, but yeah. I, I'm really, I'm really, really impressed. I can't wait for you to try and uh, give me your opinion as well. Yeah, I, I look forward to that. I have quite a few different pairs of in-ear headphones that I like, so I'll, I'll be interested to compare them against those. So you know, it's one of those things that everyone talks about the new iPhone, and but not a lot of people talk about the the new earpods, and I think it's definitely worth mentioning. Um, and like you said, kudos to Apple for taking the time to give us a better quality headphone because let's be honest like you said most people wouldn't care most companies wouldn't care about that yeah they figure well if they don't like these they'll buy a third party and yeah yeah say la vie because they're selling this iphone for the same price they sold the other ones yeah so they could have gone with the status quo and nobody would have complained but they didn't so kudos to them and i hope more companies kind of pay attention to that sort of thing i wish Apple would do something about these terrible keyboards. Uh, I I hate the keyboards that come with Apple products. That's why I use the IBM Model M. I ordered another one of my clackety keyboards, by the way, for work. Now that I have my own office again, uh, I don't have to irritate anybody else by my typing. And it, you know, this irritates people to no end. (laughs) there's There's a thing. There's a thing because I bought a um, uh, another wireless keyboard, a Bluetooth one, for to use with my iPad while I was away. Yeah. While I was in Hong Kong, 
Uh, and I have a, a kind of a case that it goes into that's, that's designed for the keyboard. So it, it's only kind of cloth, but it, you know, so because I, I didn't want it getting scratched up. And since I got it, I found that the damn thing keeps on turning itself on in my bag. So I pull my iPad out of my bag and go to try and use it. And I can't type on it because it's connected to the Bluetooth keyboard. But it's still in my bag. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking, well, I don't, you, you kind of look at it, you think, how can this happen? Because the button's kind of recessed. You can't understand how it can get pressed and turned on, but I really wish it wouldn't do that. Yeah, there's no on and off switch either. Well, there's, there's, yeah, there's just a button on the side. Right. You know, so I'm, I mean, at the moment, I'm kind of thinking, well, what do I do? Should I maybe, when I store the keyboard away and I'm not going to use it for a while, take the battery out so it can't turn itself on? And it's kind of a pain because you got to get your, yeah. either your thumbnail into that little slit or a, a coin and pull yeah. out the battery and then put the thing back on and screw it back. And that's kind of a pain in the butt, too. So um, all I'm saying is, Johnny, Sir Johnny, sort it out, Keyboards, man. keyboards. Yeah. Give us better keyboards. I don't think I'm asking too much. Because let's be honest, the keyboard and the mouse, that's what you're touching all the time on a desktop. You're not touching the iMac itself or the HP. Well, there is an HP you can touch, but it's the keyboard and it's the mouse. And that's what we use as our interface to a desktop computer. Same thing with a laptop. Give us a better keyboard. Just Even if it's 50% better, people are going to just fall out of their chair. They're going to be so happy. And I get it. You want it aesthetically to look nice and blah, 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 blah. I get it. But just give us a better keyboard. That's all I want. Is that too much to ask, David? I don't think it is. I don't think so. I don't think so. So with that, we're going to wrap up uh, episode 99 of Tech Fan. We will be back next week with uh, episode 100. In the meantime, if you're looking for something to read, check out MyMac.com. Actually, uh, David, Mark Greentree has a really interesting and good read up there right now. Um, and I encourage everyone to go read it. It's uh, drinking the apple Kool Aid. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I, I. It's called drunk on the apple Kool Aid. It's about talking about rumors and what that does to a lot of people. How well, it it changes your perception of when a product actually comes out. You're disappointed. Um, it's a good read. I think a lot of people would okay. get a kick out of that. Now, if you follow uh, my Mac on Facebook, um, when I remember. I post a Weekend Archive article because we've been publishing since 1995 and I like to call attention to some of these, you know, years and years and years ago articles that either will lend perspective on where we are technology-wise today or just point you at a really good piece of uh, writing that you may have missed all those years ago. And uh, I like reading them myself. Of course, I edited them for the ones that I didn't write. Uh, and, I, you know, here's the funny thing. I always do the ar- weekend archive. I never link to one of my own articles. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, just, I feel like, well, look at all these people who contributed. I'd rather them get some attention for something that they wrote a long time ago, you know? Bringing it back. And uh, it's some really good stuff. So if you want to follow us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash mymaconline. And uh, we'd be uh, happy to, uh, to friend you there. So with that, make sure you check out techfan.com. Send us feedback. We'd appreciate it. And David and I will be back in one week, right? Yep. Thanks for being here this week, David. Always a pill. Bye. Bye.